Appreciate that. Nate, why don't you come on up here, Wiser? And um, 2 Timothy 2 2 night is not just a night for the teenagers to perform uh, for the church. Uh, it's not why I asked Pastor to even start this. Um, and I know it's something that's been going on for years before me, but um, why we do it at all is because these young men are called to preach. They have a calling on their lives. And God wants to use them, He wants to work through them. And uh, we want to train them and equip them. Uh, we want to commit them to them the things that we have learned, 
And, um, and that's why they're going to stand before you tonight. And uh, they have, I would say, just as uh, much of a right to preach as any man who's called to preach does. And, uh, and it is a privilege. Um, I guess not a right, a privilege. Um, but we're going to hear from these guys tonight, and I trust that your hearts are willing to receive from them. Uh, it is easy to view youth um, as unwise or view youth as uh, incapable, um, but that's not necessarily the case. And uh, they're going to open the Word of God uh, from the, which we draw all wisdom. And, uh, and so they're going to preach for us tonight, and I hope that your hearts are going to be attentive and uh, look past the body uh, into the Word of God and see what the Lord has in store for you this, this evening. Man, that was a great song that they just sang. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Nathan Weiser. Uh, um, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Peter, First Peter, chapter two, verse twenty-one. First Peter, chapter two, verse twenty-one, and it says, in the title of my message is. Who are you going to be like? It, it says in chapter two, verse twenty-one, for even unto, for even here unto you, well, unto were ye called, because of, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His footsteps. You know, as kids, many times we want to be like somebody. We want to be like a superhero or a parent or just a greatest preacher in the world. Uh, but have you ever stopped? Have I ever stopped to think what God wants me to be? Yeah. You know, so many times we're just flying by day going, man, I wish I could be that person. Man, I could wish I'd be whoever. But so many times we never go, Man, I wish I could be more like God. We, you know, God came down onto this earth as a servant. He, instead of being anything he wanted to be, he came down as a servant to help us, to serve us. But, I mean, he's the maker of us. We shouldn't be serving, he shouldn't be serving us. We should be serving him. We, we need to... We need to have a servant's heart. Why Why should we have this? Why are we not a servant so many times? Because we're, so many times we're selfish. I'm selfish. We're all selfish. It's, it's in our flesh. We need to, even though the, we, we need to be, we should be more like him. So I have three things, to, three points to help us be more like God, to be more like him. Uh, my first point is get to know God. Pray. Read your Bible. You want to know him? You, you want to be like him? You first got to know him. You have to just, just read in your Bible fellowship with him at least read your Bible five minutes pray with him five minutes that's just ten, ten uh, minutes out of your time of the day may, and my uh, second point is help others you may not want to 
you you might think that you may not want to you may not even like the person I mean I know I don't like a couple people but it's, uh, it's, but I mean think about how many times God helped you did, I mean did you really think that he wanted to help you after uh, and my final point my third point is be kind, love others, have compassion for others. You may not know what they're going through. I mean, like a couple day, a couple Saturdays ago, me and my dad we went uh we went out sewing, and we went visiting this one guy, and this guy just just hearing him see what he's gone through. It's terrible to hear what people go through. It's I mean, think about what you guys went who you went through. Did you really think that? Remember the people that helped you, and what they took you through to help you. Uh, just like God helped us, we should help others. And my challenge is for tonight is try to be more like Him help others, have compassion on others, love those who you may not want to love, but that's all. Thank you. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Joshua. And, uh, yeah, sure. But, uh, um, real quick, I just want to, just through the devotions I had this week at the missions trip, just a couple things that um, just kind of touched my heart and different things like that. And uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, now that uh, you would just please fill, fill me, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, you just be with me and give me the courage and the boldness, Lord, that I need, God. And I, I pray, Lord, that uh, you just be with me, give me the words to say, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I wouldn't say anything, Lord, that doesn't need to be said, God. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you just be with me and give me the strength that I need, Lord. Now, thank you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I just want to talk uh, a few little things that I saw in the book of Joshua of how, like, the people of Israel were so successful. And uh, number one, I see that the people had a servant's heart. And uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 16 has said, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. We see that the people, they were willing to do whatever it took. And I believe today we're so good at um, saying, Lord, whatever you want us to do, God, whatever you want for our lives. But then we're not even faithful in our Bible reading. We're not even faithful in our prayer. We don't even obey his will. And then we... We pray, uh, lead me to some soul. But then when he does lead you to the person that you're supposed to talk to, we don't do it. We 
feel ashamed in the grocery store or something like that. We need to be faithful with what, is t- what he tells us to do and have a servant's heart. The, the people in Mexico, they did not care what anybody thought. They had that much boldness, and it was just awesome. But um, number two, I see that they were sanctified. Um, God wants you and me to be clean today. He can only use us if we're clean today. And we are so loaded down in filth with the things of this world. But in order for us to be met for the Master's use, 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, met for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. We are, like I said, we are so filthy, and God can only use a clean vessel. And I wonder today, would you be able to say, I am met for the Master's use? Um, Limitations 3.51, it says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. What are you watching on your TV? What are you looking at on your computer? What are you doing when you're outside of this church, I wonder. Um, they were able to do so many different things. They were able to, um, God had let them to split the Jordan. And that was because they were clean. Um, the people weren't perfect, but when they had filth and sin in their life, they got rid of it. Achan had sinned, but they got rid of it. When you want a clean life, you have to go in the path when we were driving you kind of just observe everything and on the highway we'd get off exits and things like that and it just kind of spoke to me that you have to get if you want to live a clean life you have to go the path to live the clean life you can't be doing those things going the wrong way thirdly we need to be uh, the people were sincere Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3 It says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. The people took this promise and made it their own. They had that desire to get to the promised land. And I, I wonder today, do you personally have a desire to win souls? Do you personally have a desire for revival? Not does our pastor have a desire. Do you have a desire? Um. Because when you have a desire, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. And um, not what your parents think for teenagers either. But I just saw those couple things. I wonder, do you have a servant's heart? Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Are you clean today? Are you met for the master's use? And then thirdly, do you have a desire? Are you sincere about the things of God? And I just want to challenge you that with that today. That song was awesome. It really got me. I was like down there, about to. Cry. I was crying actually. I was about to 
I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get up here. So bear with me. Whew, man, that was, that was good. Good thing I'm not preaching about salvation tonight. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you please turn to uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. Uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit tonight about knowledge. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, for such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. I want to focus on this next verse, uh, verse number seven. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In this passage, Paul is uh, warning Timothy about some things that are about to happen. Uh, he's warning him in, chapter, in verse number one. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He's saying there's danger. There's danger up ahead. Uh, perilous means uh, danger or risk, uh, an area of risk. By the description of the people in this passage, some of the things that it described, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, inconsiderate, or incontent, uh, fierce despisers of those who are good, and some of the other ones, I've uh, come to the conclusion that this is our, our church today. In this passage, I understand he's talking about the world. But I, I believe that our church has adopted some of these, some of these same uh, attributes. Um, and like I said, I believe the root of the problem is in verse number 7. Let's read it again. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, tonight I want to preach a message I've entitled, Is It Just Knowledge? Um, we receive so much knowledge uh, through preaching and teaching in other ways, uh, but it's all about how you apply the knowledge. Many times we as Christians are just leeches. We take in knowledge and we take in the things that we're taught and we never do anything with them. We never apply them. We never turn them into truth. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Tonight, I want to give you three things that I, I've, I've seen that, that we have the knowledge about, but we're not applying them. The first one is separation. We know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, I won't turn there for sake of time, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We know that we are to be separate, and that we are to be holy, and that we are not to be like the world. But many times we do the opposite of that. We don't apply the knowledge that we are to be separate, and we are to be not like the world. Many times uh, you can't even tell the church from the world anymore. You can't tell a Christian from a sinner. we got so many undercover Christians, you can't even tell who's saved and who's not. Um, separation from the world is one of those things that will make or break your Christian life, honestly. If you, if you cannot be separated, then you cannot be a successful soul winner. You cannot be 
a successful Christian period. Um, secondly, I'd like to say we have soul winning. We have the knowledge. We know that according to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 that we are the salt of the world and that without us uh, they have no hope. Uh, and that in Ezekiel uh, chapter number here. Ezekiel chapter number 3 and verse 18 it says that if we do not reach them that that blood is on our hands. It's our fault. And many times I, I think about that and I don't really apply it. I know that it's there. I know that it says it in the Bible. I know, I know exactly where it's at. I know exactly what it means. But if you were to look at me, you'd be like, he doesn't, you would think that I didn't even know that. Many times we, we do the same thing with hell. We know that there's a hell. We have the knowledge that there's a hell. But many times we don't act like it. Uh, if we truly believed in hell, uh, there'd be more people out soul winning. There'd be... There'd be more people getting saved in our churches. There'd be more people getting baptized. The list would grow on and on. There, we wouldn't be able to keep a, a, Baptist, a, a baptism sheet out there without it getting filled up. It'd be crazy if we actually truly just applied the knowledge that we have that there is a hell. And that if we do not tell them, then that blood is on our hands. How sad would it be if we got to heaven and, and, and as they're casting the people in hell... We see one of our friends and we say, and he looks at us and he says, why didn't you tell me? You knew you had all this knowledge. You kept it. You kept it from me. Why didn't you tell me? That'd be sad. And, and all we could think is that, you know, that blood is on our hands. For the rest of eternity, we'll be thinking that, you know, what, what if, what, why didn't we tell them? They'll be, they'll be in hell thinking, why didn't they tell me? They could have. They had the knowledge. Not only separation and not only soul winning, but lastly, salvation. Are you saved today? Maybe you can, you know the entire plan of salvation. Maybe you could even witness to me if, if, if you had to. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking that. I'm asking, are you saved? Is there a personal time in your life where you can remember that, that where you got saved? You know, I didn't, I, this wasn't even in my notes, but, you know, as that storm was going on, I remember as a kid, I, I got saved young, or at least I thought I did, but I can remember as storms would come, I'd get so scared that the rapture was going to happen. I'd be so scared, I'd, I'd sleep on the floor right next to my parents to make sure that they wouldn't get raptured off. I would always do that. And I would, I would walk past their door like, oh, they're still there, we're good. It was, it was crazy. And I, I dealt with that all the way up until I was 14, two, two years ago I got saved. And I, I had the knowledge. I knew that I could get saved, but I just never made it personal in my own life. Are you saved tonight? Has there been a personal time in your life where you, you, you got saved? It, how, how tragic would it be that if we went through our entire life with the gift sitting on our hand, we have the knowledge, we know, we know what it says, we know that we can be saved, but we never open it up and we never receive it. That would be so sad if you got to heaven. And I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation or anything. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to just examine your life. Are you saved? Like Pastor was talking about this morning, you know, are we ready to meet him? Are we really? You know, are we separated? Are we soul winning? Are we even saved? Let's get real, honestly. You know, separation will help us be better soul winners. And if we're not, obviously, if we're not saved, we, 
won't be successful soul winners. But let's not be like these people in this passage here uh, who are ever learning. You know, we receive all this knowledge, but we don't apply it. That's all I got. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate that. If you would turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Without doubt, there was a, an underlining tone there, and it's definitely the heart. Every single one of their messages. The Bible is very clear that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But we're deceptive, aren't we? The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we trick ourselves about the Christianity we live, or the Christianity we pretend to live. We can put on a show, and we can look really good. Really, really good. Like Nate, I, I recall as a child being scared to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior as a child because I did not want to walk down to the altar and make a public profession of faith. Six years old. Those thoughts were racing through my mind. You don't think those thoughts just simply grow as you get older? They don't go away. They get stronger. And our pride is so strong that it hinders us. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's talking about his earthly ministry. He's talking about his need to spread the gospel and why he's so passionate about it. In verse number 8, he describes how he feels. We're troubled on every side, him and the, apostles, him and the disciples. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He's looking around him. He's saying, hey, we've been given the ministry of the gospel. Jesus Christ left us with a job, and we're going to accomplish it as best we can. And we preach not unto you our own gospel, but we preach Christ crucified. He said, we, we go about, and, and the next verse, he says, we're persecuted but not forsaken. We're cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Paul's talking about the realness of his Christianity. He's talking about how it comes from his heart and his desire to see the love of Christ spread. Look at me in verse number 13. He quotes the psalmist. He says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written in Psalms chapter 116, I believed and therefore have I spoken. He said, we also believe and therefore speak. I shared with the, the, uh, the young people while we were away a, a, a story and um, a video I saw once of Penn and Teller. And um, I don't think I've shared that with the church before, but... Penn and Teller are magicians, pretty famous magicians. You may have heard the name before. And uh, Penn's a pretty tall guy, and Teller's this little shorter guy, doesn't talk much, and they're uh, an awkward duo, but they are very successful in the, in the magic world. And um, they have shows all over the world. And Penn was giving a testimony or sharing a, a video. He just did one of those little selfie videos, and it got shared around on Facebook, and I think that's where I saw it. Penn was an atheist, very dogmatic atheist, as a matter of fact. It wants nothing to do with God, doesn't believe it's real. And um, he said at one point in his life, he was, uh, after a show, doing, giving some signatures and, and signing different uh, gift items. And there was a long line of people waiting uh, to get to him, to get the signature. And after a bit of time, a man came up in line and said, you know, Penn, I, I really enjoyed and followed you guys for years, really enjoy the talent that you have and how you put on these magic shows. And, um, and he asked him for a signature, and he said, you know what? Um, I, I, I really feel like I know you. I've been so in tune with your career. He said, but the Lord convicted me, and I know you don't believe in him, 
but he went into sharing the gospel with Penn. And Penn sat there and listened to it and thanked him for it and um, later on was um, posting this video in which he said in the video, you know what, I, at first I was just irritated that this man would stand in line and take up everyone else's time talking about what he believed in. And he's like, he said that, if I can remember accurately, then it really hit me. This man believed what he was saying. He waited in line, not just for the signature, but because he really believed what he was saying. And his, his almost exact phrase was this. He said, he didn't want me to go to hell, so he shared the gospel with me. He said, how much would you have to hate somebody if you really believed in hell not to tell them? How much would you have to hate them? And he said, he said, this man obviously cared for me in some way that he would stand in line. And what he was implying is if you really believed something so adamantly, as adamantly as you would say you believed it, you would speak about it. It would come out of your mouth. And he's saying by not speaking of it, you're really demonstrating hate for those around you, showing how much you could care less for them. And uh, he was, it was quite a convicting video from an atheist to say that, and I wish he would have gotten saved. He didn't, but he was just making a point. If you believe in something, talk about it. And I think the, the point is well taken in the messages we've heard tonight. Whether, it's, whether we need more of a servant's heart, whether we need to clean up our heart, whether we need to be more separated from our heart, and really that's where separation begins in the heart. You can put on the skirts, ladies, and you, you can put on the, the clean-cut haircut and the shirt and the tie, and you can come to church, and you, know, you can come soul-winning. All those things are, are great outward appearances of Christianity, but the heart really needs to be in tune. And Paul said here, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What's in the heart? You know what's in the heart by what comes out of the heart. That's the bottom line. What comes out of the heart in private? What comes out of the heart through action? What comes out of the heart through words? What is in our hearts? And uh, these, these gentlemen brought some tremendous truths tonight. And... Uh, they're, they're spot on. And you may say, well, their application wasn't perfect here or at this point. The truths were there. And they're right on. And, and, and whatever one said it, there's a lot more world in the church than there ought to be. There's a lot more facade Christianity than there ought to be. And we need to get some of that stuff in check. We're on the verge of, well, I, I hesitate to say we're on the verge of something great, but we're in line for the Lord to really use this ministry and this church. And to say we're on the verge of it is the chance that it won't happen. We serve an amazing God, and it's going to happen. And I believe, I, I know at least the pastor, I know his heart. I know that he would stand and make it happen through the Lord's strength if, he, if it was only him. But there's got to be a church, too. And it's got to come from our heart. Uh, the, the shell of a building is not going to reach the city. It's not going to influence the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be the folks that fill the seats, teach in the Sunday school classes, stand greeting at a door, clean the bathrooms, keep the thing going forward, continue to be faithful in our giving. That's, that's what's going to make the difference. And those things will fall out and fall off so quickly if it's not coming from our hearts. 
It, that's, that's where temporary um, explosions of excitement come from. It's often the case in why camp decisions and conference decisions and mission strip decisions don't last because they're not made from the heart. They don't, they don't stick through because we get caught up in our lives and pretty soon they're gone. So I think the Lord has met with us tonight and I want to ask you to stand and we're going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Miss Jen, Jen to get to the piano. And uh, let's, let's be united in our prayer tonight that our hearts would be to serve God. And everyone's at a different point in this room tonight. I don't know where your heart is at or what's in your heart, what needs to be dealt with out of your heart. But the Lord knows and you know. And so let's just make sure we all get on the same page. Uh, there's got to be unity in the church. And uh, we need to be united in having a heart that's pure before God, that's usable by God, and that can be blessed um, in our service with God working through us. Father, Lord, we do thank you for this evening, Lord. I